So we've already had the announcement about the Bible study. I do want to mention this. Mark your calendars now. So uh, March 31st this year is Resurrection Sunday. It's a little earlier than normal. Um, and, and But here's what we're going to do. We're going to do the same thing we did last year. I, I thought that was an amazing success. We're, we're, we're going to have, because here's what's great. We have, we have a lot from the community that will come out that day as we meet out here in the field. So our service will start at 7 o'clock, and it will be a combined sunrise slash worship service it's going to be our whole service will be right there and probably normal time hour and a half or so so we'd be getting done about 8 30 and then in the fellowship hall would last year we had some different foods i'm not even sure what we'll have but we're going to provide food and we'll let you know we'll promote that a little more as we get closer but we're going to have food from the time the service ends until nine o'clock when small groups start so we'll have small groups and then when you're done with that you're done you can go have Easter dinner and with your family or whatever it is that you're going to do. But uh, we're going to combine that service and just everything will be out there, worship songs, all of that. We're full, full worship, not just an abbreviated um, uh, sunrise service, okay? So that'll be then. Um, and then you've got the other announcements there. All right, so here's, here's where we're at. So as we we're, we're continue on with our being Baptist Study and, and so giving you an understanding, our hope is in this, my hope has been that, that we understand what, we, what Baptists believe. And, and the fact is, if I, I mean, I'm not going to do it, but if I did it, if I, if I did, well, let me just ask this. How many of you in here come from a background that's not a Baptist background in your childhood before you were, raise your hand. So there's a, a bunch, and, and, you, and you may have heard, man, them Baptists, they got like another arm growing out of their back and stuff. They're, they're weird people. You may have heard that, and we are we are kind of weird sometimes, so it's not an in, inaccurate thing. But here's the here's the deal: a lot of us, a lot of people, don't really know what Baptists really believe. Why are we Baptists? So we've been looking at the Baptist distinctives. What are things that Baptists, through the years, these are the things Baptists have held to, and so that's what we're going to continue on with, and we're almost finished. So we've got probably two weeks. I'd say at least two weeks in, in where we're at right now, and then we'll have a couple of weeks as we look at deacons, and then we've got one more lesson after that. And I've got more material. I've got a lot more material, Baptist history and some different things. I'm not sure we're going to go there yet, but we'll see. We'll see when we get closer to that. But Baptist, so B-A-P-T-I-S-T. B is for biblical authority and the lordship of Christ. A was the autonomy of the local church. P is priesthood of believers. T was the two ordinance of baptism and communion. I is individual soul liberty, S, saved church membership, and then the T, which we begin now, is the two offices, okay? There's two offices, and we're going to look at the first of that tonight. We're going to look at that with pastors, okay? What is one of the two offices is pastors, or you'll understand, I'm not going to get caught up in that, the whole detail right now, but you'll, you'll, we're going to get there real quick. So the lesson aim of this is to, to explain the biblical teaching that there are two and only two offices designated for the local church according to the New Testament. Two offices, okay? So the description, pastors, also called bishops and elders, and deacons. So the two offices are pastor, bishops, elders. Those, that's an office. The other is deacons. And so the three is three names, and we'll get there. There's three names for the same office. And, and the second office being deacons. Now I'm going to give you a little... I, I'm, I may... Here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to get off in the weeds with you, but when we get to the deacon part, I'm going to share with you, and I wrote, I wrote a paper in seminary on this, so it doesn't make me an expert. It just tells you I have an opinion on it, and I've studied it out. I have a little different take on deacon ministry and a little different belief on it. So, 
It doesn't mean we're going to change what we do. You know, our bylaws call for it, and I don't think anything we do, if I'm, let me say it this way, if I'm right, it doesn't, it doesn't make what we're doing necessarily wrong. It doesn't make it, that's just unbiblical. It's not that. We're just doing things, we're doing things different than I, I believe, and my conviction is what I really think deacon ministry is, and I hope you'll, I'll, we'll cover that. I'll talk about that. Um, so we got, we got pastors, also called deacon, um, bishops and elders, and then we have deacons. That's the two offices that the Bible recognizes in the local church. Both are chosen by the congregation. And we see that in Scripture. They're chosen by the congregation. Other church leaders are necessary, uh, but, most, uh, but, but must not be uh, equated with these two offices. So there are other offices in the church. You know, sometimes you have a, a, there are churches that will elect or, or appoint a Sunday school director. Or, or they'll have different, diff, there's different roles and stuff. What I'm saying is these two, the, 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 these church office leaders, these are the two that we see in Scripture. So here's where we start tonight, the office of pastor. Again, we Baptists seek to interpret the Bible at face value in order to see how Christ wants His church to operate. Um, what you see a lot of times, you start looking around and you see the way different denominations or even different churches do things. My question always goes back to, you know, there's some things that in Scripture aren't necessarily clear, and some things are open for doing them a little bit different. Um, but there are things that are not open for that. And so when we talk about these two offices, this really isn't up for, for interpretation different ways. And so we run into those problems. In that light, the vast majority of Baptists have historically recognized that there are uh, three titles given to the primary spiritual leader or leaders of a New Testament church, pastor, elder, bishop. All three titles are descriptive of diverse functions, but nonetheless refer to only one office. So again, each one of those, it's interesting. It's almost like the word pastor, if God wanted to just use the word pastor, he could have. But the word pastor doesn't encapsulate, it doesn't capture everything that the pastor's responsibility has, the pastor, elder, um, pastor, elder, bishops. So, so there's multiple words, and we're going to see as we go through this, you're going to see how they interchange with each other, and, and, how, and so you'll get there. All right, so the descriptions. First one is pastor. We're going to look at pastor. We're going to look at these three in, in order. Pastor. Um, the one who feeds or nourishes, and you can put in there in parentheses and the under the blank there is feeding. So one of the, one of the role of a pastor is feeding. Are y'all with me? Do you follow there? Y'all know where we at? Everybody good? Okay. I told I told them the other day they were a few people. They didn't want to, They weren't very expressive where I preached Sunday, and I said, "All right, y'all got to shake your heads louder. I can't. I, can't. I need I need some some feedback." All right, so let's look at a couple of verses. I think they're listed there. But Ephesians chapter 4, if you want to turn there, but I'm going to read it. And if you want to turn there, it's fine. But I'm going to read I'll probably to the next one before you, you get there. But Ephesians 4.11 says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. 1 Peter 5, chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. The elders... Who are among you, I exhort. I, who am a a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. That's verse 1. Elders. He he mentions elders. Verse 2, he says, shepherd. So he, he says to the elders, now he tells them, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers. 
Okay, no, there's three different words there. Though all three of those words, they're, they're, we're going to see the, 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 uh, the, the word that's used there that's interpreted that. But we see three different things there, and it's all talking about the same office. So the elders who are among you I exhort. I, who am a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and as a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd... Now, this this right here gives us the idea. If Jesus is the chief shepherd... And he's talking here about shepherds, and that makes the pastor of a church, pastors, pastors in a church, they're the under-shepherd of the Lord. They're under-shepherds. So when the chief shepherd appears, so who leads our church? Thank you. I do not lead our church. I help lead our church. Our elder council provides leadership for our church. Our elder council is the, the, the pastor, elders, bishops. That's that, that office right there of, of pastor, elder, that's the office right there. We have a council here of elders, and we, and we provide direction for the church. But we do that under the direction of the chief shepherd, the Lord Jesus. So we look to him. And, and any church whose pastor gets away from looking to him and looking to the word of God need to find him another under shepherd. Okay? Because he's quit caring for the sheep. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. So the term pastor comes from a Greek word, poimen, which literally means shepherd or herdsman. So that's literally what a, a pastor, that, that word, it, it literally means shepherd or herdsman. Although the word itself is translated as pastor only once in the English New Testament. It's only translated one time that way. However, the word poimen is translated as shepherd 25 times. And the concept of a pastor shepherd as the primary leader of a local church is clearly described in Acts 28, uh, 20, 28 and 1 Peter 5, 4. Now, Acts 20, 28 says, Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So you're an overseer of the church, this pastor, to shepherd the church, to shepherd them, to pastor them, to poem in them, uh, the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. 1 Peter 5, 4, we already read it. Read it again. And when the chief shepherd appears, so it's again talking about the chief shepherd, we're under, the, the pastor is under his leadership, and we're shepherds. We're the shepherd. So obviously the term pastor gives a beautiful picture of the bond of a shepherd and his sheep. In biblical times, that was a special and precious relationship. There was a closeness between a shepherd and his flock. Now, I don't know how shepherds are today, some, I'll, give you a, I'll tell you a great book to read if you want to read about shepherds. It's about the 23rd Psalm. It's called A Shepherd's View of the 23rd Psalm, I think. Does anybody remember the name? Who wrote that? Philip. Philip. That's right. Keller? I think you're right. I think it's Philip Keller. I think that's right. And it's an excellent book. So if you want to read, because he was a shepherd. He understands shepherding. He understands sheep. And he just goes through the 23rd Psalm and just lays it all out. And, uh, but but it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful picture for us today to understand that relationship of a pastor as a shepherd of, of the flock. According to the New Testament, Jesus Christ is the chief shepherd. We looked at that in 1 Peter 5, 4. But pastors are under shepherds serving in the model of Christ. Um, 
In this role of shepherding the flock, pastors guard the sheep. They warn the congregation about false teaching that seeks to lure them away from God. So, I, I, you know, I, have a, I, I don't get a lot of pushback from you guys. I really don't. Now, I hope that's because I preach biblically. I'm not all over the place. I ain't getting in the weeds. And, and I, I'm preached that my goal is to preach, thus saith the Lord, and not change it to say what I want it to say. I'm not going to eisegesis the Scripture. I'm going to, I want to exegete the Scripture. I want the Scriptures to teach what the Scriptures teach. Amen? That's what I want to do. So I don't get a lot of pushback. But I've had pushback in the past and other places. And, and, you, and you, you know, one time I got on a, uh, I, I said something about, about Benny Hinn. And I had a lady come up to me after the service. Now, different congregation. But she came after me, up to me after the class. I think it was a Wednesday night class. And, boy, she lit into me about I was judging him. I better be careful judging the man of God. And I said, ma'am, I, I think you and I have a different understanding then of what it means to be a man of God. And I don't, I don't believe in his theology. I think his theology actually is contrary to Scripture. And so, you know, but that's, that's what you end up with. So sometimes people don't like it. But that is my role. That is part of my role and John's role and Raymond's role in, in our church here is to warn the congregation about false teaching. If I hear people say they like T.D. Jake, I'm going to tell you, burn the book and run. Joel Osteen, burn the book and run. Give me some other names. Benny Hinn, burn the book and run. Kenneth, yeah, Kenneth Copeland. Creflo Dollar. Yeah, burn the book, don't, burn the book and, and, and run. Yeah, so, I, you know, I've had, I've had folks tell me that Early in the days, you know, it was back on when Joel Osteen first really kind of got started and people, man, Christian people reading his books. And I'm just telling you, I ain't trying to be, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not better than anybody, but what I'm telling you is his, his doctrine is, it's a false doctrine. I, I watched him, I watched him on uh, CNN. He made a stronger stand about gay marriage. This was years ago. He made a stronger stand there about gay marriage, but he would not take a stand that Jesus is the only way. Well, you know, Jesus is, the, he's the only way for me. That's Jesus is my way, but, but I just can't say he's the, the only way. Folks, if you don't believe he's the only way, you don't understand the gospel. Okay, amen? All right, preaching at the choir. So, in fact, the, uh, the one New Testament passage that uses the actual English word pastor explicitly re relates uh, that one of the roles of a pastor is to protect God's people from being led astray from biblical truth, Ephesians 4.14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning and craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So my job... Our job as, as pastors, Pastor Aaron's job in this, is, is to equip you and to warn you. When we see things that, you know, I put something, uh, I saw something put on, put on, it was on Facebook, and it was some children's, uh, children's material. And, and someone put it on there and said, hey, look out for this. And, and there's several books, and it's children's books. Are, you know, they're, they look like children's books. They're, they're uh what do you call that? The drawings and all that, or the the telest the graph the graphics, telestrate, all that. It's you can see it's written to children, and it is just flat out misleading doctrine. 
And so I've, I shared it on there. And I've had several people I've seen have shared it since. And uh, I probably need to find the material and bring it in and say, look, parents, don't, don't avoid this. Stay away from it. That's our, our job. If we see things, and I've had people text me, I've had people call me and say, Pastor, you know, I, was, I heard this, and I was thinking about that, and I was reading this. My first question is, who said it, or, or who wrote it, or where did you find it? Because go back and look. You want to know who's saying it. Before you listen to what they're saying, you want to know where they're coming from. And it's, sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's a little harder. A lot of times folks want to hide they want to hide what they, who they are. They don't want you to know, oh, man, that's, that's uh, Seventh-day Adventists. Oh, that's Mormons. They want to hide that because they want everybody to get in and, and eat of their false doctrine and follow them. So you got to dig. you got to find out who's saying this. And then, and then you go, well, I, all right, that's that, but I don't know what they believe. Well, then you search it. You find out they go to a, a Church of Christ. Well, then you go and you search Church of Christ doctrine. You search it, see what they believe. And see if it lines up with what you believe. And if you and you, and you know what? Here's the thing: if there, if there, if if there's false doctrine in their beliefs, I don't want to even read or hear anything they have to say. It's just who I am. I go. There's enough people who are in line with Scripture that I'll listen to that. I'm not even going to listen. Sometimes, you know, sometimes there are people. I mean, listen, there are Baptists who I would go. You know what? I have to eat the fish and spit out the bones right there. Because there may be something we're not totally in agreement with, that I see something of a different way. I can't say they're wrong. They can't say I'm wrong. But we believe a difference. So I can, I can, I can eat that fish, but I'm going to be careful and I'm going to spit out the bones there. Does that make sense? You, you follow me? Okay. Pastors are also to give spiritual food to the sheep, which is an indicator of their teaching role. The Apostle Paul gives instructions that a pastor must be able to teach, 1 Corinthians 3.2. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, let me read these. There's about four verses. I think I put all these in your notes. First Timothy three two says, "A bishop, a bishop. So a bishop, a pastor, an elder, uh, then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach. If if someone is not now, and when we talk about able here, I, I really believe." I'd, I'd have to research this and read that, what that actually means. But I think what this means is this. Someone may not be as gifted a teacher, but they're teaching truth. That's someone who's able to teach. doesn't mean you've got to be the greatest communicator in the world. Andy Stanley is one of the best communicators of false doctrine. Uh, but he's one of the greatest communicators that I've ever heard. He is slick. I mean, he is just smooth, and he can tell it, he can just tell it, and it flows and all that. But Andy's gotten off base. And I just tell you, be, you know, you, you, oh, I heard this great message from Andy Stanley. Well, if it was from 15 years ago, it might, it might be okay. But if it's anything in the last even 10 years, I'd say be careful. Be careful. We read, I have a group of men that I'm mentoring. We read a book by Andy Stanley. It was written years ago. The book's really good. I didn't find anything in there that I went, man, he's off base. But today, I'm not going to listen to Andy Stanley. So able to teach does not, is not necessarily talking about a great ability. Because some, some guys are just, man, silver-tongued, and they don't have anything to say. They're not teaching truth. That's someone that's not able to teach. You've got to be able to, to teach the Word of God, to communicate the Word of God. 2 Timothy 2.2. And the things that you have heard 
from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men. There's teaching. Again, it's taking the things that we've heard and we've learned and teaching them to others who will be able to teach others also. So it's this perpetuation, perpetuation, I don't know, that's terrible. I think I butchered that word twice. I'm going to try again. Perpetuating truth. So we've got to teach that. Someone taught me. Someone's still teaching me. The Holy Spirit's teaching me. The Word of God's teaching me. I listen to others. I read others. I'm growing. And and I'm going to continue to teach. I'm going to help others to grow. And you ought to be helping someone to grow. You should be helping teach someone else. 2 Timothy 2.24, And a servant of the Lord must, must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient. Titus 1.9, Holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine or sound teaching both to exhort and convict those who contradict. So in practical terms, pastors need to spiritually feed God's sheep And the only thing that will truly feed the hunger in our souls is the Word of God. Okay? So you can can try to do... um, Look, the little devotions are great. I I had the question asked the other night at the marriage retreat. Said uh, said, um, One of the questions was, what do you recommend as far as a devotional? And I've had that question a lot. And I'm going to answer it here, not once and for all, because there are devotionals that are good. Some of our men are using something to do devotions uh, in more of a, a small group setting. 52 studies in a week is two, three pages, and it's, it's good. It's really good stuff. But here's what I said. The best, and they were like, what's the best devotional for me and my, my husband to do? I said, well, you may not like my answer, but the answer is read the Word of God. I'd much rather, I would much rather see what the Word of God says than hear what somebody has to say about the Word of God. And, and now I'm not diminishing. I use commentaries all the time. I use commentaries. I use dictionaries. I use things. So I want to look up the words. I want to know what they, they mean. Amen, Randy? I want to know what those words mean. We want to go back to, and it ain't, it ain't about a modern translation thing. It's about going back to what does the, what does the original language say? And sometimes you end up with four or five words. And what I found with some of these modern translations is they just like to pick another word so they can, so they can write a new, new edition and they can get it, um, they can get it uh, trade, trademarked or whatever, and then they can charge you for their Bible. Here's what's great about the King James Bible. There ain't no um, copyrights on that. I, I love it. And I still have people, oh, I can't understand it. Let me promise, I can give you two minutes. I don't understand the pronoun. It's simple. If it's a T, if it's a T, it's singular. Thou, thy, it's singular. If it's a, if it's a Y, if it's you, it's plural. That's what, it's super easy. And you can, have a, you can have a scripture that says you and thy. So when you, you read the you in there, it's, it's, it's plural. He's talking to everybody. And then it gets to the, the thee, and it's talking to singular. Very simple. Very easy. But you've heard people tell you so long, oh, King James Bible written in the 12th grade level. No, it wasn't. No, it's not. If it is, then we've dumbed down so bad today in America, we're pitiful. But it's like any novel, you read a novel. Does it take a little bit to get into the flow of a novel? Go read, go read John Grisham. I'm not telling you go read John Grisham. But if you read John Grisham, you've got to read a little bit to, to get the flow of how he writes. If you read Louis L'Amour, 
you got to read a bit to get in the flow of how he writes. You read, if you, you, I'm not pushing King, I don't use the King James Bible. I use New King, New King James Bible. But it's so, it's, it's, it sounds like Bible. Man, I grew up on it. I'm like, man, I, I love it. I still love it. But I hadn't had a whole lot of pushback here, and I didn't. I had a little pushback. But I thought, nobody else here is reading the King James Bible. Maybe I need to change, so I'm, that's why I'm in the New King James. And I love it. And it's simply a simple change. How I got on that, I have no idea. And that was, that was a whole flock of them, a whole flock of squirrels. I was like that flock of turtles. Uh, turtles. <laughs> flock of turkeys the other day down in uh, Cage Cove. We saw about 40 turkeys going through there. It was awesome. Um, sound doctrine. I think I was just talking about how we, we've got to communicate the word, sound doctrine, sound teaching. Okay, sound teaching. Sorry. In practical terms, pastors need to spiritually feed God's sheep. And the, Okay, we went to the Word of God, so, so studying out the Word of God. 1 Peter 2, 2, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. We, 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 new babies, you know, a new baby, I mean, as soon as uh, Watson was born, he's ready to eat. He was, he was already nursing. I mean, they told me, he was, man, he was nursed right away. He was ready to eat. He was ready, you know. So for a new Christian, you want to learn. I remember when I first got saved, and I wanted to know everything. Now, as a 13, 14-year-old, then I got off in the weeds of prophecy. And 13, 14-year-old didn't know anything about the Bible, trying to read Revelation and understand that. You want to talk about fun. I remember riding a school bus, a guy named Bobby Ivey, and we would talk. We were both trying to read through the late great planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. I think a sixth or seventh grade trying to read through that book. Are you kidding me? But hey, God, God blessed it, honor. I learned some things, but we desire, we desire, babes desire milk. We desire milk, but we shouldn't stay on milk. Move on to the, man, I, I, if I had a choice between milk and a steak, what do you think I'm choosing? The steak. Second Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In sum, in the role of pastor, the primary spiritual leader in the church is to uh, the primary spiritual leader in the church is to guard the congregation from doctrinal error and feed them a steady diet of the Word of God. And that's what that's what we talk about. We as a leadership team, that's what we're talking about. My goal is to stay out of God's way. I want to stay out of God's way. I want to. I want to preach the Word of God. I want to teach the Word of God. I want to pray for you as a church. I want to visit you, talk to you, love you, build a relationship with you. But, but that's, that's, that's what I want to do. I want to stay out of God's way. I don't want to mess up what He's doing here. God's doing something incredible right here in Geneva. I believe it. I, I mean, I know me. So it ain't about me. It ain't about John. It ain't about, it ain't about Raymond. It's not about any particular person here other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And so if we just stay, if we just stay in the book and stay right with God, we can, I, I believe God will continue to bless. And you know what? If we didn't see another person come to the church for the next five years, if everybody continues to get deeper roots, then we're growing. But here's what I know. If everybody continues to get deeper roots and we stay true to the Word of God and we're preaching and teaching truth, I, I still believe we're going to see people come in because you're going to, as you're growing, as you continue to grow, you're going to be out there inviting people to come. Um, Mark, introduce your friend tonight. Uh, to, uh, Haley, Haley, 
Worked with you with the horses? Oh, for some reason, I was thinking um, uh, the fire department. So, with the, man, that's, that, that either job would be tough. I mean, so she, you, you, you're learning the farrier business? Wow. Awesome. Awesome. Well, very good. So, Haley, I just want to say welcome. And thank you for being here tonight. Yep. She said we fed her well. That's good. She said, man, that's good. Mark said we eat, we eat all the time. We get together as Baptists, so we're going to eat. Uh, Mark, stick around. I'll get Gina to run back and get some jelly at the end of the service, all right? We'll take care of you. So, Gina, if you'll... At the end of the service. Good catch. She's, she's giving me that look. Wow. Wow. Man, I think we need to go on another marriage, another couple's retreat. Um, well, that wore off quick. Uh, pastors will primarily accomplish both of these goals through a faithful preaching and teaching ministry. So that's our goal. All right, so that's the first um, role, and that's the pastor. Second is bishop. Bishop. Second blank there, bishop. One who administers or administrates. One who administrates slash overseas. Now, you can write in the, in the, the, the little parentheses there, leading. So, so the, first, the first one there, we see feeding, and now we see here with the bishop, we see leading. You had a couple of references there, 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, and Titus chapter 1, 6 through 9. So bishop is a, is, a, is a second New Testament word for the primary spiritual leadership office in the local church, and it derives from the Greek word episkopo, and it's technically translated as overseer. That's, 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 that's the word. So the bishop aspect of the pastoral office carries the idea of manager, administrator, or superintendent. So I, I've heard people say, you know, that pastors shouldn't be making the decisions. I think the scriptures teach contrary to that. And it doesn't mean a pastor is to dictate. But the pastor has the role to shepherd the people, but also to lead in the church, okay? Now, we're congregational. We, we will go back and re, look at earlier lessons. We go back and we talk about that, how we're congregationally led. So if I just said all of a sudden, you know, uh, or even us as a, as a council, we said, you know what we're going to do? We're, we're just going to bulldoze this building down, and we're going to build a new building. You know, we got, we got a lot of money in the bank. We can probably put half of it down right now. If that's the thought, we can put half of it down, and that's what we're going to do. We don't care what you have to say. That's what we're doing. Like it or don't like it. That's, number one, it's not good leadership. Now, if that's what we need to do, if that's what we need to do, then we need to communicate that to the body, but the, it is the body's decision. Those are decisions we make as a church. So it's not a dictator decision, but it is administrating, the idea of managing, administrating, superintendent. So bishop is the term that emphasizes the leadership dynamic in the church and speaks of pastor as the principal individual or individuals who guides and supervises the affairs of a local church, ideally in conjunction with other spiritual leaders in the congregation. Proverbs 15.22 cautions, says, Without counsel, plans go awry, but in the multitude of counselors, uh, they are established. There is wisdom in a multitude of counsel. You know, right now we have a, we've, we've set up a, because we realized, I like, I like being, I'm, somebody asked me, I, Cliff might ask me this when I first came here. It might have been Cliff, I don't remember. But somebody asked me, said, Pastor, are you coming to everything? 
think you asked me, you remember that? And I said, man, why would I not? I mean, I'm, I'm the pastor of the church. I, I'm, I'm not here, I'm not a hireling. I'm not here to draw a check. I'm here to lead and, and to love on people and to minister to people. And I don't know how I can do that if I'm not here. So I'm going to be here for VBS. I'm going to be here for Monday Bible Club. I'm gonna, I mean, I'm going to be here. Now, as the church is growing, and, and, and the way I led in the first few years, and the way we had to be very involved in some things, I'm trying to back off more and more stuff now. I've got great people leading. So one of the things that we've done is we've established this, this uh, growth management team. I don't know. We've got, what, six, eight people on there, Doug? And, and they're helping us. So any committee, by our bylaws, any... Any committee in the church is a subcommittee of, and, 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 and they're an advisory committee by our bylaws to the elders. So I don't have the time. When we're talk, talking about remodeling this, I mean, I, I've done this kind of stuff. But I don't have the time to pastor this church and to do that as well and to do either of them well. So we get people who are, are, are gifted and talented and experienced in those things and let them help figure out what we need to do in here. And they've asked our input. I've given some input and some things. Doug and I had a conversation here about the staging and, and some thoughts. And I'm not trying to dictate. I just said, here's my thoughts on it. Now, let's figure out what's the best thing to do. So what do it look, look like? They'll bring that. The elders will meet and look at that. And at some point, we're going to get a plan in place and go, yes, that's what we need to do. We're going to bring it to you. And you go, oh, we love that. We love that. Absolutely. If that's what it's going to cost, let's do it. And, we can, and then we remodel that. Okay, so that's this this idea. So there's there's delegation involved in that, but it's not a it's not a um, just because you're you're the leader, you're not. It's not a dictatorship type of thing. Even from our council, it's not one person or even the council dictating. There's wisdom in a multitude. I'll call guys and ask their opinion and stuff. Say, hey, what do you think of this? What do you what do you think? How how do you feel? What do you, what, what what's your pulse? What do you feel the pulse of the church is? What's going on? Hebrews 13, 17 is a New Testament text that addresses this aspect of a pastor. Obey, obey those who rule over you and, and be submissive, for they watch out uh, for your soul as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Um, you know, pastors can make problems. They can make their own problems. You know, I can do stuff, and I've done stuff where I created, I created, I created problems. Okay, now I got to deal with it. But please don't pile on the pastor and make it harder for him. Can I tell you, I'm not whining. Believe me, I'm not whining. I've, I've worked a lot of different things, and there's been no greater blessing in my life than past, pastoring this church. I've been in ministry now 24 years. There's been no greater pleasure in my life, ministry-wise, than pastoring this church. Y'all have made it that way. You're great people to pastor. But it wouldn't be very fun if, man, everything, I say something and somebody comes up and they're just chewing me out because they don't like what the Bible says. Or they don't like that we did this. Or they don't like what we did that. There's things, you know, there's things we just have to do with leadership. Um, I ain't going to go into detail, but we had a situation before I even got here. Now, I really didn't have to deal with it. The elders, they had been installed and they, they had to deal with it. And it, was a, and it was a doctrinal issue. It was a moral issue. And it had to be dealt with. And you know what? There were people who were chewing on them because they didn't like the way it was being done. And all they were doing was what the Bible said do. So don't make it, 
if I do stupid, then okay, I earned it. Or is it if you're going to be dumb, you better be tough? I try, to, I try not to be dumb, but I, I can be. Or I is. I try not to be. <laughs> uh, this does not mean that the pastor bishop is the only spiritual leader in a congregation, but it certainly seems to indicate that he would be the primary leader and supervisor of the church's direction, whose leadership the members are admonished to follow. So your pastor should be a, a leader in the church. Again, not a dictator but the leader in the church, your pastor, your pastors, your elder council, okay? These are all interchangeable. All right, uh, I'll tell you what, I'm, we're going to do the next one because I can get through this one in a couple of minutes, and then we'll, that'll be a good break for us. All right, the next is elder, elder. Third one here is elder. One who is wise. Oh, man. That might, don't be laughing like that, Cliff. He said, that counts you out. That's what he's thinking. Uh, one who is wise slash mature, and the word here is heeding, heeding, H-E-E-D-I-N-G, heeding. So there's several scripture references. The word elder comes from the Greek word presbyteros um, and is another title for, the, for this one pastoral office. So the New Testament church urges, um, ur, uh, I'm sorry, the, the New Testament church usage of the term elder likely has historical roots in the elders of Old Testament Israel. It speaks of the dignity of the pastoral office and carries the idea of a man who is spiritually mature and offers wise counsel. Do you want your pastor to be wise? Then pray for me, okay? Pray for me. I, you know, I, I want to be wise. And, and, and I go back to this. I go back to Scripture. I, I got a call today, and I'm... I'm, I'm just somebody just sharing their heart with me, and, and I just go back to Scripture. What does the Bible say? Because I'm going to be honest with you. If, it, if you get away from the Bible, I'm not very wise. I'm very opinionated. I had somebody here tell me, I'm very opinionated. Oh, you're, I learned something about you. You're very opinionated. I said, well, I think you want an opinionated pastor, don't you? You want somebody that believes what they believe, or would you rather have me up here wishy-washy? Well, you know, I don't know. I just think. I know the Bible says this, but I've heard, some, you know, I, I don't know. What do y'all think? <laughs> y'all don't want that, do you? No. But you don't, I mean, you don't want opinionated in what thus that saith Conrad. Cause, but, but I don't want to offer that. I want wisdom that comes from the Word of God. That's what I want to offer. So while elder often refers to one older in age in some biblical text, its New Testament pastoral usage does not put an age requirement per se on someone. It generally refers to the spiritual maturity of the man who serves in the role of a local church pastor. That is why Paul said that one who holds the pastoral office is not to be a novice. And that's in 1 Timothy 3.6. Meaning not a recent convert to Christianity or a, 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 a longer-term believer who may still be immature in the faith due to any number of reasons. Now, would you, want your, your, would you want your vocational pastor, would you want me, the guy in this position, to be a novice? Now, in some ways, somebody, could, somebody might could argue that I was a novice. Because I'd never pastored. But that's, that's not the same thing, you understand? So I was not experienced as a pastor yet, but I'd been a, an associate pastor for six years. And I had, I had done everything. I'd preached weddings. I'd preached funerals. I'd taught 160-person Sunday school class for those six years. I did hospital visits, in-home visits, visitation, 
I mean, you, you name it. It was great preparation for God putting me right here, but it prepared me. But I had not been a senior pastor. So in some ways, but I don't know that that's, that's not the idea of being a novice. The novice is someone who, they're, well, put it this way. I didn't have pastoral experience, but I had 20 years, almost 20 years in ministry, 17, 16, 17 years in ministry. If I'd have had two years in ministry, y'all wouldn't, would you have considered me as a pastor, do you think? Two years of ministry? What if I just come fresh out of, here's what gets me. If somebody comes fresh out of seminary, they've never done anything. And I see it. Look, we, we know a situation right now, and it hasn't gone well. The church, a church plant called a guy who had seminary, but he had no, he had never served on any kind of staff, never led any kind of ministry, and they called him to be the senior pastor. And the problem is with, with a novice is the the. The, the danger is this, is this right here, is that there's growth in the church and it's all because of me. And, and there's problems with, you know, seminary doesn't do a good job of teaching uh, people skills, interrelational stuff, how to deal with situations or problems and things like that. And, and a lot of problems can come. Scripture, I mean, God knows what he's telling us, amen? Um, so it's, a, it's about spiritual maturity. So in general, this in general... And it generally refers to the spiritual maturity of the man who serves in the role of a local church pastor. This is why Paul said that one, I already, already read that. Such a man who is not spiritually mature would not meet the strict requirements of the office of a bishop, i.e. pastor. So Paul's instructions about ordination to a church office in 1 Timothy 5.22, where he says, do not lay hands on anyone hastily. He's not talking about, you know, somebody said something in church that you didn't like. And you, you, it's not saying don't grab them by the collar because other scripture deals with that. This is talking about the laying on of hands with ordination and putting someone in place. So do not lay hands on anyone hastily. Also speaks directly to the issue of maturity. So to summarize, the elder aspect of the pastoral office means one who offers mature counsel and guidance to others as a means of helping them grow in grace. And... So we've gotten through the three titles. Next week, we'll start off with um, three, uh, the next two blanks you see there. Three functions, one office, and we'll break that down some more. All right, any questions? I mean, we've got a long way to go in under, understanding all of this with pastor, elder, um, bishop, that role. Any questions, comments, one after? Nothing? All right. All right, Cliff, wake up and stand up and uh, close us in prayer.